0: So our reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels you crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So good morning, everyone. It's... um, Lovely to be with you. We're looking at Jesus, the person of Jesus, as the writer of Hebrews describes him through this Lent time. And today the subject is Jesus as the founder of our salvation, or as the version there said, the pioneer of our salvation, the author of our salvation, different versions say it a bit differently. So salvation is one of those religious words, isn't it? Big words, and we, let's see where it, where it takes us. We've been saying that if we want to know what God is like, Pete, when he talked to us a couple of weeks ago, said, if we want to know what God's like, then we need to look at Jesus. And then Carl was saying last week that that beautiful phrase that Jesus is the radiance of God. And the exact representation of his being. So, the sort of corollary of that when we look at Jesus, then we see God. And the extraordinary thing is, it's, it's in Jesus we see the exact representation of God in human form. In that is the very heart of the gospel, and in that is the very heart of our salvation. Jesus didn't just come. He didn't come at all as a a founder of a, a new religion. He came as the founder of our salvation. He came to reveal and to redeem the image of God in us. He came to reveal the image of God to us, as he lived his life on earth. But more than that, he came to reveal the image of God again in us because that's what got lost, isn't it? That's what got ruined. And that's what he came to, to redeem. That's what he came to rescue, the image of God in us. So his mission was to mirror to us the original blueprint of our design not just as an example for us, but as an example of us, showing us who we are, (laughs) to make us also sons and daughters of God like him. That's what it said in that passage. It says he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. There's a story, a true story, of a black eagle, uh, which has a wingspan of about two meters. And in South Africa, uh, the, one of these black eagles was kept, had been kept in a zoo for about 10 years, and it was decided to release the eagle into the wild. So a crate was shipped to this particular safari park, crate was opened, and the eagle didn't move, just stayed in the crate. And no matter what the people did, they couldn't persuade this eagle to to take flight. And it, for several hours, the eagle just stayed in the crate until suddenly it looked up. And the people heard the cry of another eagle. And with that, the eagle took off, flew off into the skies and became free. It needed a real free eagle to call the zoo eagle out of its captivity. The call of another eagle. Jesus has come to us like that. Like the free eagle came to the zoo eagle. Jesus has come to us saying, This is who you are. Look at me and see who you are. Recognize who you are and fly. He's made us fit. This is our salvation. Jesus has made us fit to fly in our true identity as sons and daughters, like Jesus is a son. One of the most central tenets of our Christian faith is that we're made in the image of God, isn't it? It's an extraordinary thing. It gives so much dignity and worth to every single person who's ever lived and who ever will live, and to us here today. We're made in the image of God. The psalmist recognizes that in, in verse 7 when he says, You, you crowned them with glory and honor. We crown the people who are the most important, don't we? And in creation, we're, we're the pinnacle of, of God's creation. God looked at most things and said they were good, God looked at, ad, at mankind and said it was very good. We're crowned with glory and honor. it's not too hard to see that that's somehow gone wrong so we look around in our world right now and I don't know about you but it it kind of feels as as much as a mess as it's ever been with war in the Ukraine war again in Europe and climate crisis and all the things going on in our own country of strikes and so on and and it's it feels like a mess (laughs) my mum keep saying that so it's just a mess and I I think more than ever probably we've got a head in our hands going it's it's a mess and we look inside of ourselves and we see something's wrong and we look out outside of ourselves and we see that something's wrong and in, in all of this mess we know that we are we're both victims of sin but we're also participators in sin. We consume too much and we, we damage the world. We, we're self-centered and we hurt other people without meaning to sometimes and with meaning to sometimes. So we know things have gone wrong. And sin's a bit of an unpopular word, I think, at the moment. But it's it's not difficult to, to see that it exists, it's real. And it seems like 3,000 years ago, the psalmist felt that way too. I think it's it's uh, David who wrote the psalm that's quoted in that passage from Hebrews. And he says, doesn't he, What what's man, that you're mindful of him? God, why would you want to bother with, with mankind? But God does bother and he does care. It seems, I found a lovely paraphrase of those two verses from the psalm. It says this, What are human beings that God cannot get them out of his mind? What does he see in the Son of Man that so captivates his gaze? There's something about us as his creatures that God's just enamored with can't get us out of his mind and he does care and he does bother and there's a poem by uh, the welsh poet rs thomas you might know it it's just a short poem that i wanted to read for us it might appear up on the screen at this point so we can read along together thank you there we go And god held in his hand a small globe look he said. The sun looked. Far off, as through water he saw a scorched land of fierce colour. The light burned there. Crusted buildings cast their shadows. A bright serpent, a river, uncoiled itself, radiant with slime. On a bare hill, a bare tree saddened the sky. Many people held out their thin arms to it, as though waiting for a vanished April to return to its crossed boughs. The sun watched them. Let me go there, he said. And he did. He came into our broken world, our messed up world. He chose to do something about it, to effect a rescue, to save what we've lost, our original beauty, our original glory. So the meaning of sin, basically it's about a violation of design. When we sin, we violate our own design. That's not who we were created to be. When we hurt others that's not who we were created to be. Romans 3 is probably the best definition of sin 323 all have sinned and fallen short. But if we stop there we're missing something. Fallen short of what? Do you know how it goes on? Fallen short of the glory of God. We're meant to be bearers of the glory of God. And our salvation brings us back to that, to the glory of who we are. See, Jesus came into our world, came from heaven and embodied humanity, took on human form. He took hold of our humanity and he lived it perfectly. He trusted in God, in his Father at every single turn. He did what Adam and Eve didn't do. He trusted. He took, his, he took this humanity through all the trials and tribulations and testings that we go through. Through all the suffering, the brokenness, the woundings, the pressures. And he was obedient all through it. And finally he suffered death. And in that passage, it says he tasted death for all of us. Some versions say he dies our death. And then as he's resurrected, he takes us with us to glory. He brings, it's in the passage, many sons and daughters to glory. He made us fit to abide in the presence of God again. He makes us holy, it says in verse 10. He sanctifies us. There's a lovely kind of parallel image of that in the Old Testament when the Ark of the Covenant is created and it's made of bits of wood gathered probably in the desert and then it's overlaid with gold and then it's brought into the holy place in the temple and when the rods are kind of pulled out of it, it's left there and it remains forever in the presence of God. This is our salvation. This is what God has wrought for us, what Jesus came to found for us, what he pioneered for us, the restoration of the image of God within us so that we can live freely in the presence of God again as sons and daughters, freed from sin, totally forgiven, presented as holy, made holy, with full access to God, with all the rights of sons and daughters, and able to call Jesus our brother. So Jesus has succeeded in putting human beings right with him. That's what salvation means. Jesus brings us back to glory, back to our original design. Sons and daughters, brothers of Jesus, crowned once again with glory and honour. In the language of adoption, um, they talk about when a child has perhaps been in in foster care or even in in a home and they're adopted, they talk about a child going to their forever home where they're now going to be part of the family and live forever with a new family and in a way that's what jesus has done he has brought us back to our forever home where we will always live now as sons and daughters brothers and sisters of each of each other and of jesus in a new family but a bit like the zoo eagle it can take us a while to to live into that freedom, to dare to stretch our wings and take flight. Doesn't perhaps feel like it could possibly be real, especially if we look at our own behaviour. But we we can't ever allow our behaviour to define what God has done and the salvation that he's wrought for us. We have to look beyond that to something that says something so much bigger. I've got some friends who adopted a little boy from China when he was about two years old. He'd been in an orphanage and they adopted him. And they had two older children at that point, biological children. And so this little boy became their third child, their third son, or second son, third child. And um, he's about seven or eight now, I think. And his mum was telling me recently that he's been having night terrors and waking up. In the middle of the night just from bad dreams nightmares crying and the interesting thing is she said that he doesn't come running into their room to, to his mum and dad's room like their o- other biological children would always have done if they woke in the night and had had a nightmare they'd just run into mum and dad whereas this their the adopted son doesn't yet know that he's free to do that doesn't yet know that he belongs so much in that family that he can just run to his mum and his dad and he stays in his own room and he cries on his own and it's only when they hear him that they can go to him and comfort him and bring him to them and I I was so moved when I heard that because I think it's it's so much the picture of how we can still be not knowing our full rights the full security that is ours as sons and daughters, (laughs) that Jesus so longed for us to know when he founded our salvation, when he came to bring us back to the glory and the honor and the dignity and the worth that we were originally designed with. So, Jesus is the founder, the author of this salvation that brings us home to our true identity where we can fly and, and learn to fly, learn to stretch out our wings and, and discover what that can look like to be sons and daughters. So may, may we learn to live in our forever home. And let me pray as I finish. Jesus, we we look to you as the pioneer and the author, the founder of our salvation. We see you as our our brother. You came to show us what, what we're like. You came as an example of us, not just for us. Would you help us to grasp that? to take it for ourselves, to be convinced. <laughs> Would you convince us of the work of your cross in our lives? Would you bring us home? Would you assure us of the immensity of your work of salvation for us? We, we open ourselves to you to do that for us would you do for us what we can't do for ourselves? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.